Does everybody know what time it is? Time for a surprise quality inspection. Oh no, it's grunt work. dancing and there you are a shooting star an everlasting world and you're here with me eternally listening to grunt work the one and only podcast about the tv series home improvement i'm your host truman the weasel man caps and with me as always is my co-host landon the quality assurance man solano that's right and today is a very special day because we've also got a special guest here in the studio a former writer for crack.com the current editor of nerdbot.com and the author of the upcoming young adult novel my starlight lauren stone hello nice to be here so great to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> did uh, did I miss anything in that intro? You have a list of accomplishments. I hope I didn't flub any of them or step on any of them. No, no, you did a good job. I'm editor-in-chief. Editor-in-chief. That means captain, oh. commander, uh, I fly this ship. Yeah. Well, then then we give I give you the full-time salute uh, to, <laughs> to editorial duties. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what? So tell us a little bit about your, um, your novel, which is coming out on August 3rd. Is August that 3rd, that's... So soon. And I, also your birthday. It is my birthday. Hey, Thank happy you. birthday. Thank you for remembering. I will be 33 years of awesome. Oh, nice. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The book itself is, it's a young adult contemporary novel about a girl, a 16-year-old high school story. It's a high school story. Okay. Uh, the main character is this girl named Orly. She's young. She's Jewish. She's American. She's a big anime fan. She's into cosplaying. And she suffered a loss two years prior when her mom died. And she's kind of been trying to figure out herself where she fits in she has this boyfriend but then she joins this um this anime club called the lovely starlight fighter club totally not based off sailor moon oh, of course. absolutely <laughs> not i didn't even think that never would have occurred so she meets so in the club she uh meets the vice president of the club this girl named danielle who's also a cosplaying anime loving jewish girl but she's super manipulative i was thought to myself what would happen if mother gothel from rapunzel was a high school girl mm. and there's sort of your antagonist yeah. but the two of them kind of joined together and it's just it's the story i feel like it's just the story that a lot of anime and cosplaying fans people in fandom can identify with you have that not feeling like you belong you have sure, your first yeah. romance your first romance may not be heterosexual and then it's bisexual and then it's, it comes back again and that's just kind of the flavors of life that happens to all of us and that's what the story is about that's, that's awesome cool. thank that's you thank and you. uh can people uh pre-order it now or is it a exclusive day of <laughs> sort of deal um i'm hoping pre-orders come out immediately it's gonna you know like i said it's gonna land on august 3rd yeah. i was hopeful that pre-orders would have started sooner but there's still some time and i'm hoping my publishers can get it ready because I am ready to push this book. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, so are we. We will uh, put all the links to where you can find uh, uh, everything you need to pre-order or just order the book uh, in our newsletter on our website. Uh, we are very excited to check it out. Yeah, and did did the publisher like was them releasing it on your birthday? Was them that being like, <laughs> hey, Lauren, good job. We got a little surprise it, for you. It, it was. It they was. It was nice. on purpose. When I had the initial conversation where we were talking about the book and I was signing paperwork, giving them the rights to it, they did say, hey, Lauren, when's your birthday? This conversation was back 
early January. Yeah. And uh, I told them my birthday was August 3rd and they kind of, there was this pause and I almost felt them all looking at each other and they <laughs> said, how would you like your book to come out on your birthday? Oh, nice. They ruined the surprise though. <laughs> but I mean, probably better to know it. Better to know it. It's been a long wait. We're yeah. finally there. It's almost like, forget the birthday. My yeah. book is coming out. Like that's birthdays awesome. happen all the time. I've never had a book come out. Yeah. That's exciting. It the is. greatest it's thing that ever happened on my birthday was the Super Mario Brothers movie came out. Uh, and then I saw it. <laughs> Actually, oh, no. I took people, I took friends to see it on my birthday as like the birthday thing activity, uh, and I I didn't live that down for a few years. <laughs> I hope you followed it up and took them to Sizzler for dinner afterward. Just oh, rounded out the whole day. <laughs> I'm sure there was a pizza party involved. Uh, post Mario. The, the whole way home from seeing Super Mario Brothers were all the kids in the car going like, man, I can't wait for that sequel. She came in wearing like the underwater stuff from the second Mario. I'm sure they'll make it. But we're yeah. here to talk about home improvement. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are three nerd bots, but we have a different <laughs> nerd mission today. Our, pro- our programming compels us to talk about something different that's nerdy, uh, which indeed. is home improvement. Uh, and with that in mind, um, I believe we have a synopsis. I believe that we do. Yes. That we're going to share with you. I, uh, now, it has been customary on the show in the past that we've had our ho- uh, our guests try to synopsize the episode that we saw. Um, but we have we have a backup. Should you <laughs> want one? A safety so, net. Would you like to uh, try and summarize what we just watched? What did you see today, <laughs> Lauren? Well, what I saw today is definitely a singular A plot. There was no, <laughs> there was there was no straying from this plot. Of, yes, that is correct. Yes, it was a singular mission that Tim was given a new tool, new Binford tool by his former rival of sales, who is now mm. the president of Binford Tools, mm-hmm. and this gentleman with. Quite an eclectic office. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yes, you're calling out all the right things. <laughs> With beautiful, just, just stunning example of '90s office, told him that if he did not give this Binford tool positive review on his show, that he would lose his job. Thus, the conundrum that spanned. 22 minutes in a row we were really (laughs) embedded in tim's plight while he complained to his wife and he complained to his neighbor and he complained to the president and he complained to al and but but there was still tension there was still surprise you really didn't know where this narrative was going to go and i appreciated that yeah and that's more or less the plot of the of the episode that's i think you did a fantastic yeah yeah, you nailed it nothing to add to that really um you no no i have nothing to add to that it's just it's it's funny. I completely agree with your assessment that there is no B-plot to this. We have seen pr- probably 60% of the episodes have no B-plot. Yeah. So for us, it's just like, oh, a normal home improvement episode. But this is why it helps to get a fresh set of eyes on it. Because, yeah. like, I don't even notice these We're things living anymore. in a home improvement bubble. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> with, complete with all of our home improvement yeah, merchandise right. right here within sight of us. Um, so, well, before we go too much further, yeah. uh, do you want to take a guess as to what the title of this episode is called? Well, I have two, and maybe this will maybe this will will inspire something Jog for me, you. Yeah, yeah. I'm a tool for love. Okay. Eh, eh. Uh, tool many cooks in the kitchen doesn't really apply to what happened here, but I couldn't think of a lot of good ones. Okay. Well, there was like a uh, there was that eight point one plot <laughs> which the boys yeah. had to buy groceries for yes. their mom. Yes. Which I'd said um what I was uh, the first thing I thought when I saw her come home from work and there were three boys hungry alone, I said, Oh, that is so not modern <laughs> because the <laughs> oldest of those boys was eleven, twelve. I think he's he's twelve. He might be thirteen now. Old enough to get brought home by the cops last season, <laughs> but still, yeah. I don't mean to be all people people need to watch their kids helicopter, but really these boys are alone. Yeah. Starving. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And to say nothing of the fact that then she sends them to the store alone yeah. later. How do they carry all that stuff home? I, I don't know, man. It, but it's like this just simpler times, I guess. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I grew up in Michigan. Uh not too far from where the show is set. And there was certainly, at least in my neighborhood, not a walkable grocery store. You know, we had to drive to the grocery store and drive back. It's not like, you know, here in Los Angeles, you know, I can walk to the end of the block and get groceries from Ralph's. Uh, so you bring up a good question. How did they bring all those bags home? You know, they would have to cross, like, some pretty dangerous streets. I, I would imagine uh, they live near, if not on, 8 Mile. It, <laughs> we, all, we all know about that. Oh, yeah, writing those rap lyrics on their hands. <laughs> they did bring up mom's spaghetti. They had the dented, the dented right. can of spaghetti sauce. Uh, al dente, I, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that one, that got to be careful with that one. It was an antique. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's really gutsy of Jill to even try and send the three boys to the supermarket unattended when they complete, they got thrown out of a pizza parlor once while the parents were with them. <laughs> right. They went to a bowling alley once and they handcuffed a kid to an arcade machine and covered him in silly string. And then you send these three kids to a supermarket unattended with a $20 bill. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, they're always going to the park or the cemetery or the creek uh, by themselves. <laughs> it's Again, an odd I mean, that's maybe places. not a, a, a point in favor of letting kids do what they want on their own. <laughs> but Well, like I said before, between the combination of these unsupervised children and the opening theme that looked like it was running on the Sega CD, <laughs> I think there's a lot of home improvement that's really indicative of just a different time yeah Just, absolutely yeah uh, and this episode was we're, we're nearing the end of 1993 um and we're about to go into 94 so this is still this is like i feel like this still has the stench of 80s on it the, the world has yet to see pulp fiction and realize <laughs> oh shit it's a whole new decade with a whole new kind of independent yeah. film. right we're cresting into a world where drama means 90210 and melrose place right. so we need yeah. to do something that kind of flips the script exactly i i think actually and i've read this I, this is true the 90s started the second they showed the ceo's office in this episode <laughs> yeah when the 90s began <laughs> that was de- yeah that that was when the 90s just burst through oh yeah. man well, out okay. of the cocoon we'll get to the the details of the episode in just a minute. Uh, the, enough. the actual name of this episode is called Be True to Your Tool. Hey! Which I actually kind of like that I title. I like that very much. I no. should I should have talked saying that uh that that Beach Boys song at the beginning of this <laughs> had I known. That would have been so much better. Oh man. Um and then before we go into the nitty-gritty of this, um, do you want to talk just a little bit about your history with the show? Like you mentioned uh, earlier that you watched a bit of it growing up. Yes. And you kind of have an interesting uh experience with Yes, yes. Okay. So my personal history with the show is I was watching I was watching TV copiously, of course, during that yeah. era. Yeah. And yeah. I remember when they were teasing the show. It was a TGIF, correct? No, it, it was a primetime. Yeah, it was primetime on uh, at this point it was on Wednesdays, but yes. they promoted it quite heavily on TGIF. On yes. So I remember seeing the teasers and the promos. It was promoted super heavily. And there were I remember seeing the three boys mm-hmm. and I have two older sisters two younger sisters so i was like oh well you know my oldest because when you're a kid this is the dumb crap you think about my <laughs> oldest sister can be paired with the old with brad my oh, middle sister then my middle mm-hmm. sister can be paired with um with randy and then i can be paired with mark and i'll get to oh. a funny story about i mean I'll, yeah we'll touch on that in a second so i watched the first through fourth season mm-hmm. religiously i it was on tv i watched it i enjoyed it i understood all the little tropes and the things and the formulas and the Wilson in the face. 
Uh, and, <laughs> or lack thereof. And then Wilson I, in the face, Wilson 780 AM. <laughs> <laughs> and then I dropped off of viewing. And then years later, in about 2004, I had, I had a friend who was a local artist. And she started selling art to Taryn Noah Smith oh. and his wife at the time. Okay. Yeah, his wife, um, Heidi Van Pelt. Okay. Heidi. You married a Heidi, guys. <laughs> oh, yes. Heidi. Yes. So... That was interesting because when I was a kid, I predicted, I had said, oh, I'm going to meet this guy. Granted, there was n- there's no illicit story here. There's nothing like weird or like I never hooked up with the guy. This is a safe space. If it is. <laughs> Very few people listen to this podcast, so no one will ever know. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But uh, it was just funny because I predicted like I'm going to meet this guy, Taryn Noah Smith, one day. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, I'm in their house. And this was a funny time because... They, he and his wife were trying to, they were, they were trying to get this um, vegan food company going. Ah, okay. So yeah. it was called Play Food and basically Heidi did all the cooking. They made like cream cheeses out of cashews and just mm. these kind of like weird sporty colorful sauces that were supposed to be food. And so she would test <laughs> these vegan recipes every, I don't remember if it was middle of the week or Saturday, it doesn't matter. And she would invite people to do yoga. So she would lead these yoga classes. Make them hungry and then feed them <laughs> Actually, first we'd eat, okay. get good and gassy, and then <laughs> yoga. It was upset. It was bad. Stretch into weird positions that will <laughs> induce farting, yes. Exactly. Taryn always was just, I mean, it was his house, but yeah. he was always just hanging around. He'd say a thing or two. He'd talk about his new art pieces that he acquired because he supported local artists. So that was basically the ambiance of what was going on there. But if you remember, there was some controversy because she was so much significantly sure, older yeah. than him. Right. And it tore like a rift in the family. And that was during the end of his time on Home Improvement. Right. So it was kind of interesting just to go into these this, these people's homes and see kind of what was <laughs> happening firsthand. Again, uh, nothing illicit, nothing right. crazy, but just kind of to see. It was a little bit harem loungy, but dude had this um, this gorgeous Les Paul electric bass oh, wow. that I got to play. Because you're a bass player. I am a bass player. Oh, nice. I am a bass player. Yeah, I play bass. I'd say at the higher intermediate level, I can hold my own. And so just <laughs> to go in there and he's like, oh, you play bass. Here, touch the most gorgeous bass that ever happened. I'm like, well, if you insist. And <laughs> so ni- nice people, but when their marriage dissolved and... Yeah, it was not a surprise. They were it was a little. It was a little weird. It was one of those experiences. Looking back on, you're like, oh, that was harmless, but it was weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I know a lot of uh, couples like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, both in and out of the celebrity world. I mean, there's just yeah, a lot right. of dysfunction. It's just that the celebrity couples tend to have nicer bases on their walls. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm. I'm scared of having because I like. There's a lot of famous people who I want to meet. I'm just so scared of meeting them and then never meet your idols <laughs> yeah, and like, right. having it be bad. Like, that's sure. the thing. It wasn't as good as I imagined. Yeah, I, he didn't live up to my fantasies. <laughs> no, well, I, I just recently got to do an interview that's going to be on NerdBot soon with Mary Jo Pell, Ooh. the woman who played Pearl <gasps> wow. Forrester. Oh, you know her? Oh, a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so, you just gave Truman the vapors. Oh, my God. I, I had a 40-minute phone call with her like three days ago. Oh, my and, God. And, oh, my goodness, what a woman. She's one of those people where when I first saw the character Pearl in Mystery Science Theater, I had that premonition connection. I said, I, I share an energy with this woman. She's phenomenal. And when I started doing internet writing and reaching out to people for interviews, my best friend said, Lauren, you have to reach out to Mary Jo Pell. And I said, no, I, Senpai, won't, <laughs> Senpai won't notice me. Like, I'm, I'm not experienced. I'm not worthy. And then after maybe 10 or 12 interviews, I said, okay, now I'm going to do it. And I reached out to her and she's like, absolutely. Phenomenal woman. Like I said, we clicked and 
my call was supposed to go for 30 it went for 40 and wow. i'm so i can't wait till it's on the site because it was just life-changing it was one of those people where you just want their their energy and their warmth just with you yeah so it was it was so cool oh that's awesome that is that is truly incredible and i am so jealous of you to have had that experience <laughs> yeah maybe an exception to the rule of never meet your heroes I, anyone from mystery science theater i think though those yeah people, they, the, they, those seem like normal folk i thought yeah, they're, they're, they're like humble us. good yeah dry humored on the level people <laughs> yeah. yeah they're wonderful oh man awesome um well let's uh let's go into the crux of what we do here uh the the deep dive uh, oh. analysis of the episode that we watch the cannonball into this <laughs> rather simply structured episode uh so if you need to come up for air at any point just give the little hand signal and we'll We'll circle around and okay. yeah, yeah. Be sure to clear your scuba mask before you uh, <laughs> go under. I, I don't really go in pools. I don't know what guys. There's too many tools in my face. I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. So do I mean how, uh, like this episode starts? It has a cold open like usual at yes. tool time. Yes. And uh, still time after hours. It is, but it's right after hours. The yeah. episode's over. Everyone's leaving for the day. Lauren, you mentioned this, and I noticed it too. Heidi walking out the door, bundled up in like six layers of coats and scarves, <laughs> yes. and like a hat. Nothing sexual. Yeah, I, yeah. For for a character who, when she's on set, is all like tight shirts and like tight jeans and stuff. Then when she's leaving, she looks like she's I don't know. I'm trying to like Mary Poppins almost. Or she looks something. like the Michelin guy, yeah. tire guy with the bundles and like the all the layers. And... <laughs> yeah. It's very accurate to Michigan winters, which we are now heading into because I think uh, in two weeks it'll be Christmas. So. Oh gosh, <laughs> this is definitely at least November uh, in the home improvement world. That truly, yeah, that's that's on literal tool time as opposed <laughs> to uh, grunt work time. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so everyone's kind of packing up to leave. Uh, Tim comes walking onto set. The grunt creep comes bounding along. <laughs> the grunt creep is the home improvement logo. Uh, oh! <laughs> has grown a sentience over the last couple seasons. That's and, awesome! And become a fan favorite character on the show. Uh, <laughs> For us, at least. By Yes, by the two most active yeah. members of the home improvement And did you base. notice, I just, I'm not usually in a position, since we're, we're recording uh, our setup is a little bit differently, I'm not usually looking at our tool time corner. It's usually either to my back or to my side. Welcome. But now I'm looking at it. Uh, we have a lot of the grunt creep actually staring at us. Yeah. <laughs> while we record. Yeah, man. It's a little disconcerting now that I'm thinking about it. Be, be more respectful. Don't make so many jokes about it. Fair. Um, but yeah, so the, the grunt creep comes bounding through and, and Tim and Al are kind of like reminiscing about the show. You yeah. know, oh, you insulted me 17 times. Oh, it was a great show. And, <laughs> uh, Tim just really... Rubbing in, uh, rubbing down, rubbing down. No, out. no, that's that's <laughs> part of the that's part of the post show ritual they don't show. <laughs> it is after hours. Uh, well, okay, but that's but Al has to finish his entire Miller High Life before the rub down can begin. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but then they have a visit from Wes Davidson, who is the new CEO of Binford Tools after uh, Mr. Binford's untimely, or I guess timely demise yeah. recently. Yeah. So John Binford, uh, the Obviously, owner and creator of Binford Tools passed away, uh, what was it, two episodes ago? Uh, so yeah, so Mr. Binford died, and I'm curious, so this, uh, uh, what is his name, Wes Davidson, yeah. is now the new president, um, was a former tool salesman that used to work with Tim. Yes. Um, I'm assuming he was probably, it's mentioned at some point in this episode that he has been behind a desk for the last ten years. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know exactly how he became the president of Binford, but... Good for him, I guess? I, I think so. <laughs> I think he spent some time under that desk. Yeah. With <laughs> yeah, Mr. Benford. With Mr. Benford. <laughs> because there was plenty of room in that 
bougie 80s 90 90s yeah it was a very 90s office yeah. i you know what i actually like this. so i want to go into character actor corner real quick for for mr davidson for mr davidson his name is uh joel polis uh he has been on uh he was in the thing john carpenter's the thing which oh. is a favorite of mine he you might know him specifically from cheers he played Gary, the owner of the other bar that they're constantly pranking. Oh, my whole day is getting blown up. I knew I recognized him. Oh. However, he was also on Seinfeld, and tying it into this desk thing, I like to think that maybe uh, the, there's a crossover here, that he constructed the desk at which George <laughs> got to sleep under while he was working for the Yankees. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> that would be perfect. He built it with the tools that he's been selling. Exactly. Right, instant fan theory. Now we're now we're weaving all these all these uh, the these TV universes yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. now we're overlapping, and so we see how everything is connected in the TV universe. Yeah. This is great. This yes. th- th- this guy used his tools to build the snow globe that Tommy Westfall or Bobby Westfall is looking <laughs> into at the end of Saint Elsewhere. Also, oh my god. Uh, yeah, so, but one thing that Wes does say, though, yeah. is that he, well, I'm sorry, wait, is there more in no. his character actor corner? Uh, no, 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 he's just, he's been around for a while, he's still working, um, yeah, well, well, Wes Davidson, uh, used to be, I guess, like, he and Tim both were tool salesmen together, he was the number two tool salesman at the company, second only to, guess who, Tim, until <laughs> Tim left to host Tool Time, Yeah, and then I guess at some point he wound up being a desk jockey for a while, selling tools from behind a desk, and now in the wake of... Mr. Binford's death, I mean, I guess he was vice president somehow. Yeah. I guess uh, the, my big takeaway from this whole thing, this history, is that there's a sliding doors moment in which uh, Wes could have been the host of Tool Time instead of Tim. I don't think Wes has the raw charisma, though. I don't think it would have worked <laughs> out properly. Fair. I like yeah. that they didn't force that C plot line in there of, now I'm going to ruin your day because I'm the president because I was supposed to have that yeah. show. And truthfully, that show doesn't pay well because if it paid well, then Jill wouldn't be working. Exactly. <laughs> that show, right. pays, that show is, is nothing more than an infomercial. We, we speculate over how much Tim makes a year on this show because it's cable access and it's regional in just the Great Lakes area. So I would assume Chicago is probably the furthest reach it has yeah. he's, he's not in any union no, that's <laughs> true. right so how much can you really be making from a regional cable tv show Here, let me posit this though maybe tim has quite a healthy salary but he spends 70 percent of it on tools and hot rods and stuff hot <laughs> so, rod, yes so i his... do i do remember the hot rod um plot line yeah oh, it was it, a big one in like it's the later still going season. on it's <laughs> it's the entire show like he started building it in the first yeah. season oh this episode is weird in that we never see the hot rod in the garage no but it's mentioned in that they oh, have they to move, move it out it, yeah. so they can bring the sawhorses in and and so, so they can bring one Test. small tool into the garage. <laughs> right, it was, this, it was like, it was the size of a foot-long sandwich. Like, yeah. It <laughs> doesn't take up much space. It was. Anyhow, so uh, Wes has a new tool that uh, he wants Tim and Al to promote on the show. It's a reciprocating saw. This is the first time that we hear the Binford 6100 series, which is going to become like the go-to, the 6100 series blank is going to become the default Binford uh, tool whatever. (laughs) So this is is Wes kind of cleaning house and putting his own stamp on the organization. The 6100 is his thing. Yeah, I guess so. That would make sense now. Does anyone here know what a reciprocating saw does? 
specifically. <laughs> we must give you something if it reciprocates. I'm thinking, <laughs> like, let's do something nice for you. Like you, yeah, like you use it to saw, but then it, or like it saws something for, I don't know, in, in exchange. It looked like, I mean, it had that square shaped head. It looked like it was like going to pound something. It didn't look like it was actually, I didn't see a saw head on it. And yeah. then he had that, there was that portion where Wes was talking about how he designed this for lady consumers, but that premise was very quickly dropped. Yeah. That was one line. It never came back. Yeah. Thank God. Well, it was a springboard <laughs> for Tim to make a bunch of really uh, sexist wife jokes about how, like, yeah. no woman would ever want a tool unless it was and a And he mocks women wow. and says all sorts of ugly things. Yeah. That's not just a one-time deal, by the way. That's, like, a fairly constant... Just baseline of the show, also, yeah. just in case you're you you know you don't forgot remember that, that from the, again. Yeah. I'm watching it, rewatching it as an adult is a different experience. That's, oh, for sure. That's what this whole podcast is about. <laughs> and like re- getting to analyze and see Jill, the wife, because he because if Tim does say these sexist, stupid things, and he has the girly on his show, and he has the uh, the lady lifting weights calendar behind him on the wall during tool time, and he just has this very sensible. Very, I'll use the word for her, handsome. Jill, Jill's a handsome woman. Yeah. She's attractive, but she's not hot. And then he has this, like, sensible, handsome wife amidst all these sex... You'd expect mm-hmm. him to have some, you know, some girly wife. But that yeah, wasn't the flavor sort of, of the time. Trophy girly, deal, yeah. yeah right. And he just has this this matron, to be yeah. honest. Let, let me say, I think that if Tim had been cast with a with a girly wife, I think that... Home Improvement would have gone as well as Tool Time would have if Wes <laughs> Davidson had been in charge. Because, yeah. Like, if he if he, he was married to Pamela Anderson, the show would have... It's n- true. It would not last. And I think that they, they know that, that that's a great way to balance Tim Allen's uh, personality. Because even on his new show, uh, well, it's not really new anymore, but... His new old show. <laughs> yeah, Last Man Standing, they cast Nancy Travis as his wife, who is a very similar sort of, you know, I wouldn't say hard nose, but like very... She's able to, to cut through his bullshit... Uh, pretty easily not take a lot of his nonsense and you know think that the the independence of the these women kind of offset his his uh that's a good point single-mindedness a bit yeah um, yeah not not to apologize for it but uh is there anything else in this tool time i, I yeah i mean a long, long story <laughs> short Wes comes in, he's got the new saw, he wants them to demo it on the show. Yeah. Al is sucking up to him nonstop, everything is, oh, Mr. President, oh, yeah, of course, Mr. President. Tim, on the other hand, is still showing that that he can show zero respect for any authority figure, even though this <laughs> man course. is the boss. He is constantly just crapping on him and, yeah. and dismissing him and denigrating him the whole time. But yeah, so this segment ends and we go into the tool time theme with Tim and Al still both yeah. being very excited to have a new tool. I do have one more thing to talk about. Oh, for <laughs> Just every time I think that I'm done. Okay, go on, Landon. This is a new new revelation about the Tool Time calendar, the Binford calendar. Uh, He's been doing this all season long. I'm so sorry, Lauren. <laughs> it's new this week. Okay. And okay. it is now of Heidi. Oh, okay. Heidi all is right, on it. That's a development. That's a real um, development. She, so in the last couple episodes, it's there's been this weird... I, I'm just going to say it's a controversy. Uh, it's it's a bit of a scandal. Okay, Landon, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> They've been obscuring the model's face on the Binford calendar, uh, and I, I'm positing that it, it was an old photo of Pamela Anderson that they were using, even though she has left the show. Um, but now it is definitively Heidi, which leads me to believe that there was some sort of um, calendar dispute. Of They, take, they took all these uh, photos before um, Debbie Dunning was cast as Heidi, and now that the show is up and running, they've had time to do a new photo shoot with her. And now we have a Heidi Benford calendar. At long last, our na- our national nightmare is over with. 
Uh, we'll see what happens with the calendar in the future, but I, I'm willing to put this to bed now. <laughs> Thank God, because it's uh, tired, Landon. I, I just can't wait to see what February looks like, you know? <laughs> oh, gosh. You want to just peek ahead on the calendar. <laughs> you know, they, the attention to detail that they have, they do switch it from month to month, so I bet, uh, I bet there will be another photo in February. Yeah. Good observation. Stay, stay tuned. Was a little <laughs> foreshadowing there. <laughs> so, from this, we go to the opening credits. Yes. Um, some, you know, the typical opening credit shenanigans happen. Yeah, uh, Brad stares into our souls. Oh, no. He, he did, he, didn't he? He, at the very last shot, he makes eye contact with the camera, uh, unlike anybody else in the, the opening, and he, he peers into our souls and steals uh, one of our little secrets. See, every time he makes eye contact, he gets the secret, I and mean, we feel that the only way to really move forward in our lives is if we then confess the secret on air so that he can't hold this over us. Yeah, I mean, we gotta deflate his power over yeah. us. Um, and since you are wearing a, a Ghostbusters t-shirt, yes. um, I believe he, he took inspiration from that and... Um, Stole a Ghostbusters-related secret from me. Oh, no. Those are the most precious secrets, or the Ghostbusters secrets. Uh, in kindergarten, I had a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man figure that I was bringing in for show-and-tell. And, tell. and uh, I had it in my backpack that we hung up on the, the walls outside the classrooms. And um, when I went uh, at recess to get the figure to, I don't know, play with or, you know, whatever, prep for the show-and-tell, I went and found that it was missing. Oh, no. Someone had stolen it, and I was so peeved. And I had uh, drawn a little L, just like Andy in Toy Story. I put a little L on the bottom of the foot because I couldn't spell my whole name at that point. <laughs> you should have just written Landy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, German. Um, <laughs> did I did I unlock something? Did I open the Ark of the Covenant there? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's another secret we'll go into. Please go on. Uh, anyway, uh, I didn't have something for show and tell because my, my Ghostbusters figure got stolen. I was very distraught. Uh, I was a very sensitive young kid. And um, school ended for the day. It was half-day kindergarten. And as I was heading toward the bus through the hallways, I saw a kid. And uh, in my mind, it was like this like bully with his two little minions. Um, <laughs> but he was sitting underneath a, a baggage there, you know, where you hang your bags just kind of down the hall. And um, I saw him playing with a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man figure. And I'm like, that's my toy. You stole it from me. And I snagged it out of his hands. Oh, my God. And was just like, I'm, this isn't even going to be a conversation. This is my toy. You stole it from me. Peace out, bro. And uh, <laughs> I hope you said that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, continued to the bus. Uh, it wasn't until later and I got home that I realized that the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man didn't have the L... <laughs> That I had drawn on the bottom of his foot. You son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, Landon, you naughty boy. <laughs> and I still have that figure oh. displayed in my hallway. <laughs> it, now is that like a trophy, though? Or you like just kind of? Yeah. It was the day I've that the... it was the, der- the day the nerd stood up for himself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Even I mean, it, I, it was. I like to think that I gave that guy something to stand up for <laughs> uh, moving forward in his life, having someone just steal his own toy right out of his hands. You broke bad that day, Walter White. <laughs> that is... <laughs> well, I, I just hope there's not some sad story where, like, that kid's dad died in Desert Storm and, like, gave him that right before he left. This is before Desert Storm. Oh, man. Okay, well, then great. Well, I hope, his yeah. da- I hope his dad didn't die in Desert Storm after that. It was the last one on the shelf before Christmas and his yeah. mom broke it. Right. His mom broke her rib fighting some other parent for it. <laughs> it was a whole jingle all the way scenario. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Well, okay. So now I, I've confessed to that. I've held that since kindergarten, actually. So I, I've heard. I feel like I've heard that story before, but I didn't hear the detail that it turned out to not be your <laughs> toy. That's really that's good, man. Oh, that's there it good. Is. Uh, well, I think we all feel better now that that's out yes. in the open. By way of that secret, we go into the kitchen, mm-hmm. and this is where the kids are home alone, searching for uh, something to eat. Rooting through their empty cupboards, all alone and unsupervised. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, they're looking for stuff to eat. Like, they, they can't find anything. Randy comes back from the pantry and says that all he found was garlic powder, nutmeg, and fennel. <laughs> and then... Brad says, what's fennel? And Mark goes, that's what our shirts are made out of. And let me say that I didn't notice as a child, but that boy can barely deliver his lines. Yeah. Is this the whole Taren? show? Taryn cannot. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be rude or poke fun, but I didn't realize that the dude can barely speak. He's <laughs> yeah. disposable. Yeah. He's yeah. disposable. He's very cute. He's very good at being adorable, but as he's been getting older these past couple seasons, like his line delivery hasn't improved, but his cuteness has been kind of going downward. It's an interesting time because when the show in season one, he just kind of mimicked what the other performers were doing. And I'm assuming what the director kind of like showed him, you know, how to perform and how to say a thing. But he's kind of, he's now at an age where, um, you could tell he's starting to become his own person, but not exactly. He's trying to like find his, his place. And I think that that is this, this, this weird, unable, as I'm actually doing right this minute, unable to get their fucking words out of their mouth. Um, <laughs> he swears a lot too on the show. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, it's like the, the precursor to the like awkward adolescence that is about to come. The like, just right before that crest, right before you go into like, being 12 there's is the worst some, age. There's something honest about it, mm-hmm. and there's something sincere and genuine about it, but it's just not one of those things you expect to see in a show where everything is so calculated and gag-heavy and dependent right. on the next joke. Yeah. Right, right. And he's also being paired against uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who's like a natural performer, and Zachary Ty Bryan, who's just kind of... He's good. He's, he's, not a, he's not a performer, but he's just so natural in his own boyhood i guess he, yeah he was definitely one of those he seems like a regular person yeah he doesn't seem like an actor per se right but he very easily takes on the i'm the big brother of this show i'm gonna say things clearly and with a believable delivery yeah, yeah. right so nothing wrong with brad there yeah yeah no mark is the weakest link it's oh, the curse of, it's the curse of the third child in sitcoms Mm, yeah. Judy Winslow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Fortunately for Mark, he never just mysteriously walked upstairs and disappeared or something. <laughs> anyway, Jill comes home late uh, yes. from work. She's had a, a day. Computers went down. There's a library fundraiser meeting, which... Didn't we just have the fundraiser speech last episode? <laughs> Literally one episode ago. Like, I, I don't know. The, fu- the, the libraries in this town are either not very well funded or are so well funded because she is constantly doing library fundraisers. Like, it was... It I, must be that thing where, like, they, at a certain point in, in their library fundraising, like, broke through a certain ceiling, and now they have to exceed that number every single year in order to justify getting the same, like, grant from the state of Michigan. It's like it's like the library industrial complex <laughs> on this show. They never stop raising funds for it. I imagine that the library in Hamtramck is like the library of Alexandria. <laughs> they've got, like, maybe they've got, or, like, the Hogwarts <laughs> library. Like, they have floating candles, and there's, like, wizarding books. <laughs> or what's the one? Or, the, or, the, or like, the, the Citadel. Or the Citadel in, um, in, uh, 
uh, Game of Thrones that Sam goes to. <laughs> right. Yeah, like the, the the cure for dragon scale or whatever, or grayscale <laughs> is in there. I, I, I just, it, this, this, I want to see this library. It must be a palace. It's the underground sand library from Avatar The Last Airbender. There you go. There you go. Um, uh, but so the, the kind of, this is the beginning of the uh, plot A.1. Yes. <laughs> Which yes. is Don't Jill, blink, you'll miss it. <laughs> Jill is uh she's too busy with her new job and all this uh the extra responsibilities that she has that she decides, you know what, if you guys want food, I'm gonna give you money and send you off to the grocery store to get uh to get your stuff. Because tomorrow's not soon enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh and milk does not mean milk duds. Yes. As she says. I I guess that's a good <laughs> no, rule I mean, of thumb. That, I don't that's know. that's good to remember. And potatoes don't mean potato chips. Which were purchased anyway. Well, yeah, because these, and this is, honestly, this is, this, I didn't remember the rest of this episode. The A.1 plot, this little, like, sliver of a subplot, I have remembered for years from seeing on TV originally. I remember her talking to the boys about, I remember the whole thing about, like, oh, mom, can't we get something sweet? You can buy me some flowers, that'd be sweet. (laughs) Like, I remember that. I overdo it on the Jill Southern accent, but that's, that's my thing. Feel it in, yeah, get it out. Feel it in your soul. It's just in my blood. We just accept it. Yeah. I accept I accept your constant mission sure. to learn everything about the calendars. Um but so I, I remember I remember this and I remember her like giving them the money to go to the store and that was even when I was a kid that was never a thing my mom would have done. I mean I think I'm from a very different family from the Taylors, but even hmm. then that's a lot. Um <laughs> Cool, so just a little trip down memory lane there. There you go. So Tim comes home. Yeah. He's super jazzed to have the bin for sixty one hundred. He's glowing. He's he, got the tool boner. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny you say that because uh, my note here was uh, as he's coming in, she looks at him and she goes, "You got a new tool, didn't you?" <laughs> and it's very much like he has, you know, after sex glow about him. We got like, he got yeah. to have sex with like a new new hot person. Like they have an open relationship, yeah. and he got to like totally right. totally bone someone that he saw over there. And he's like, "Oh my god, she liked me back!" And she's like, "You did it, didn't you, honey? Good for you." <laughs> if there was a world in which you could go on dates with tools, the website for that would be called Grinder, I think. But it would just have a completely different meaning. It's tool yeah. polyamory. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um. um but there's not much, I mean, what else happens? Tim Tim has a new tool, he's excited to use it, and then yeah. uh, you get a little transition of them being sawed out of the frame? Yeah, the transitions in this episode, be, and you know, this is very on-brand. This whole episode's about a saw. Every Most of the transitions are a saw coming out from behind the screen and cutting out the figures and the yes. screen separating. Oh, it's very astute. For uh, one later on, which we'll transition get to. Transition whisperer. There's a very bizarre transition down the line, a match cut, but we'll, oh, we'll, we'll get to that in due time. Yeah. Um... This transitions us into the garage where uh, Tim has taken apart the saw, um, and he's very distraught about it. And uh, Jill comes in. It's like 2 a.m. at this point. She's like, come to bed. He's like, I just, took about, I just took apart this tool. You know what I realized? You don't know how to put it back together? No, it's <laughs> not good. And he, he goes, it's, this is an inferior tool. Uh, and That's what she said. Am I right, folks? Am I right? <laughs> Anybody? Woo! <laughs> it's too far for a high five. <laughs> um... This is an, so he says this is an inferior tool before he even gives the reason why, and I thought they were just going to leave it at that as like the dialogue from the movie Avatar, where he's like, "I came here to do science." Yeah. Uh, this is just this is an inferior tool. I'm not gonna. You don't need to know the nuts and bolts, pun intended. Hey oh. Uh, but he does. He goes into explaining 
why? And and in fact, the nuts and bolts are part of the problem. It's like plastic <laughs> washers. The casing isn't done properly. It's like it's not durable. It's not built to last. I yeah. guess. And that's important when you buy tools. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Sears is going to go under next, so we're not going to be able to have our lifetime warranties <laughs> oh, that's on right. the Craftsman. So think, we... Isn't Sears already gone? Or mostly? They're dissipating, Yeah, I guess. But I don't buy tools, so what yeah, do I care? Likewise. <laughs> I, I, I feel that Sears is a lot like children's author Beverly Clary, and that I keep assuming that it's dead, and then I'm surprised when I find out it's still there. I think they've both been around for 101 years. <laughs> honestly, yes. Honestly. And by the way, good for Beverly Clary. Great writer. Glad she's still alive. Sears, take it or leave it. I mean... <laughs> um, but in this discussion, Jill is like, well, why don't you why don't you just tell him about it? Why don't you tell him that you think it's an inferior tool? And she encourages him to have a, a dialogue about it, which appropriate. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, to Jill, I think... <laughs> How being, you deal with problems? Jill Jill is not being dismissive of this. She's yeah. like, okay, I understand this is important to you. Like, she's not just saying, like, ah, come to bed. Tools don't matter. Like, she's really supporting him. She yeah. knows who she married. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it this is the beginning of something interesting that this episode does, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um where it kind of puts, aligns Tim and Jill on the same team as opposed to this constant battle of the sexes that we were always seeing between them. What are the differences in the, the home and the mentality between man and woman and how do they coexist? This kind of, for the first time, aligns Tim and Jill as a team. And uh, it's kind of exciting. There, I mean, there have been other episodes. I remember when Maureen Binford was running things for oh, a yeah, while. Right. There was some of that. I mean, you know, they, they occasionally they join forces. <laughs> Only against uh, Binford executives, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. That well, it's like you know, only the Avengers only come together and really do battle when it's a really big situation. <laughs> and it's and it's of course it's always when Tim's job asks him to do something yeah. he doesn't want to do. And you got to fight that. You can't just do what your job wants you to do. And with that uh, uh, Avengers uh, correlation, now I'm clamoring for a standalone Jill film. <laughs> I'm behind that. Yeah. Especially the drunk Jill we got at the yes. end. We can talk yes. more about that later. Oh, but yeah. yeah, give me a drunk Jill movie. I, I want that, man. The the, uh, the Home Improvement uh, Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Yeah. She teams up with Murphy Brown, probably, to do something. The pool man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His name is Jim, and it's Jim the Pool Man. Oh. Taylor, maybe? Who knows? Yeah. Jim yeah, the Pool Man. Yeah, he, he get married, and then he assumes her last name. Hey, yeah, you know what? You're right. Because, Jim the Pool Man Taylor. Because he's a 21st century man who doesn't believe in, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> um, all right. You guys, you need to brace yourselves. Oh, God. Because we go from Jill saying you should have a talk with him into the vortex of 90s. This, the office of Wes Davidson. Uh... And we're going to talk hey, about this for an hour now. It's <laughs> so big. It was hard. It was difficult. It's jarring because we rarely get a location outside of Tool Time or the Taylor House. And if we do, it's it's usually a, a, a restaurant set that we've seen eight times redressed. Yeah. yeah. Um, or the, the Dances with Tools slash Karate Studio, which was clearly the same set. This is so jarring. Uh, Wes Davidson's house. All right. Truman... Oh, start us off with, with this. Okay, I think we all can take a shot at trying to describe this. Oh, of course, yes. I, what I will say, here, here are the two things that I wrote down. This, so this office that he's in, it has, it has like a massive clear globe in the corner. There is a land, there's like a landline telephone that is clear plastic with like green light in it. There's a glass, there's yep. a wall made out of glass bricks. There's a weird glass chest set. Like this, this whole office looks like either... Like, the office of an evil corporate executive in a Paul Verhoeven movie. I'm thinking, like, Total Recall, 
Robocop, something yeah. like, this is very much like if you ask someone in the 90s, what will 2015 look like? Uh, <laughs> or it looks like, let's say Nickelodeon in this same time period does some promo where it's like, hey, come be the president of Nick for a day. And then some kid <laughs> wins it and they give them his own office stocked with cool stuff that kids will think looks cool, that kids yeah. will think a real business executive would have that are not actually it. I think this is exactly Does that, that. Include a slab of copper. Yeah, just a slab of copper sitting like on a on a thing in the background. A pedestal behind the desk. A weird standalone coat hanger to put your blazer jacket thing on. Jesus, Lauren, when you we were watching the episode, you had said that this looks like the set of Arsenio. Yeah, it's somewhere <laughs> between the set of Arsenio or like one of the squares, like Sinbad's pants. Oh my! Just God. turned into an office. <laughs> Just like, like if you could take just whatever that the yeah. fabric design is, and like, hey, let's make a room. That's what it looked like. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past Jim Trader, who does or Jim Prater, who does the transitions on the show, to do a transition from somebody's tiger pants into this office at some point in the future. I hope we come back to this office honestly, because I kind of can't <laughs> stop thinking about it. The, the desk is like held up by like bullets. It was held up by what looked like four. Copper spatoons. Oh, that was it. It was yeah. gnarly. I'm like, what is happening? There's, oh my god. There, it's, there's no front to it either. It's like the desks no. on Fox News where you can see all the ladies' legs underneath it. It's like there's no front. <laughs> and it's... Oh, man. The the 90s thing to me was that... And just like any executive in any 80s or 90s movie or television show, he had a standing putt-putt. <laughs> one of those like... I think we all groaned when we saw that. Uh, indeed. And uh, this is cutting to the end of the scene, but he has the worst putting stance uh, I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I, when Has there ever been a movie where the good guy has a putting thing in his office? <laughs> no. no. I, maybe in like, I'm trying to think, maybe in like City Slickers 2, Billy Crystal's character at the beginning has one, but it's like meant to show like, hey, this guy's too uptight, he needs to loosen up. Like, no movie yeah, right. ever ends with the guy successful in his business putting well, out the putt-putt thing. Do you remember in that movie The Mask? When, oh, yeah. yeah when, like, when Dorian is held down and the tea is put in oh, his mouth yeah, and the guy yeah. whacks his face oh, and like God. that's supposed to be this real big threatening moment. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did freak me out as a kid. Because he's dangling the putt over his face. and it's like, kind of caressing the cheek with it, yeah. But in the big picture, like, is that the worst injury you can sustain by a mob boss? Like, let me get hit by the putt, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You walk away feeling lucky if that's all that happens. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no cement shoes. There was a, a big uh, push against um, golf clubs as weapons after uh, in the in the 90s when the mask came out uh, <laughs> because that was when Jack Nicholson went crazy on that car oh, with, yeah. a, with an eight iron or something. This yeah. is what happens, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, going back to that phone in the office real oh, quick, God, yes. in addition to it being just clear and plastic and glowing green. Yeah. I have to point out the size of it. Huge. It looked huge. It looked like you were in the giant level of Mario 3, like World <laughs> 4. It's like if this is a World yeah. 4 property, like I just saw that and I was like, and goes back to the whole thing about this is what it would look like if a kid designed this office. Like the phone is huge, like a kid with a huge cereal bowl yeah. and they're just yeah. eating like this nuts. You know, it's funny. This I was a little nostalgic here because my dad was... Uh, you know, he was an office man during this period of time, the 80s and 90s, and he was also enamored with all these, like, you know, the Newton's Cradle, all these things that kind of came to popularity uh, out of Coke binges uh, of <laughs> 80s executives. Or new Coke binges, because it was the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Sorry. 
That's good. That's it for me, folks. Go on. <laughs> um, so I like the the globe that was um, the was held in place by two magnets at both of its oh, poles. Yeah, like that sort of stuff. There was. Um, my dad was big into the Chinese balls. What do you call those things? The, the stress the, balls, yeah, the spinning the clink, and the chiming. Clink, clink, clink. Yeah. All the stuff you could buy at Spencer's Gifts, basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hammer Schlemmer catalog, Sharper Image. Sharper Image. Sharper, image. Sharper, image. Sharper yes. image was my dad's. Where you had like the, the bookends that were quartz crystals. and uh, Yeah. Uh, not the Fabergé eggs, but like there's a similar sort of thing. I uh, love that stuff. It's like the hologram stores and the yes. magic eyes of, in the malls at the 90s. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Good times. A magic eye has to appear on this. Show at some point, there's got to be a magic years. eye joke, right? Somewhere, be- <laughs> somewhere before the end, it's got to yeah. happen. Yeah. The only thing from the sharper image that this office was missing was a big massage chair, like <laughs> a chair true, with yeah. a built-in massage unit yeah. and remote control. Um, but what happens in this office is that Tim has Did recruited. Something happen in there? I <laughs> there is a story that's going on simultaneously. Uh, Tim has recruited Al. Um, who Al also has found this uh, the Binford sixty one hundred reciprocating saw to be an inferior product, mm-hmm. um, and so they are joining forces to talk to Wes about it. Um, so Al is there, very thrown because it's one of the first times we've seen Al not in flannel. He's in a full suit. Yeah, that something looked weird about him. Yeah, yeah. it was bizarre. Even in the past, I wouldn't have put it past him to have like a, a flannel plaid blazer. Um, we don't get that. We yeah. get no flannel. We get no plaid on him whatsoever. Um, yeah, but they they come in. Mr. Davidson's assistant on the on the way. Mr. Davidson's assistant even says to Al, like, "Oh, everyone here loves you." And Tim says, "Yeah, what about me?" And she goes, "Well, Mr. Davidson will be with you shortly," and walks out. Mr. Davidson comes in. He says, "What can I? You know, hey, you know, what what can I do for you guys?" And Tim says, "I need you know, I want you to stop production on the Benford sixty one hundred and." Mr. Davidson goes, oh, I meant, like, did you want coffee or tea? <laughs> and and Tim goes, we want you both, we both want you to stop making this Binford 6100. And Mr. Davidson looks at Al and, and goes, is this true, Al? And Al just says, <laughs> I think I'll have some tea. <laughs> also worth mentioning that before Mr. Davidson came in, Al was so distraught because he is not good with confrontation. Oh, yes, yes, fair. Also kind of goes with that saying about Al, though, that yeah, he would right. not do well in this. <laughs> you should be able to guess that. Al has been kissing so much ass up until now. <laughs> but yeah, so they basically just say to him, like, look, the, the thing doesn't work as well. It's got all these plastic components. It's yeah. not a good tool, and we and we're, we can't in good conscience sell it. Yeah, and this is happening, this dialogue's happening between Tim and uh, Wes. Um, going back into the, the their past a little bit about the integrity of Pinford and, you know, how it stands for quality tools and... Uh, Mr. Binford's uh, uh, mission statement, I guess, uh, of what developing Binford in the first place. Yeah, and all the while, uh, you know, Wes is standing there. He's doing his putt putt golf and just talking about how, like, oh yeah, well, you know, the 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 plastic components make it lighter, and oh, it's better for women. And that's that's when Tim goes on this rant about how, like, oh yeah, my wife was just saying she wanted a uh, reciprocating saw that could complement her earrings or something like Fit that. Fit in her cocktail purse. Fit in her Ugh. cocktail purse. What? Is a cocktail purse different from a garden variety purse? I believe a cocktail purse would be closer to a clutch. I because see. a cocktail dress is short 
It's low cut, no clearly strap. no pockets, maybe no straps. And so you're holding a little clutch to go alongside it. So it's a small handheld purse. It's not your mm-hmm. over the shoulder like mom purse where you have like Band-Aids and M&Ms at the bottom. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, maybe there's room for like one mini M&M at the bottom of a, of a cocktail clutch. but Maybe one, but... I've never I'm, used one. I would just assume... Half like they make, Yeah, yeah. I've never been invited to a cocktail party. You guys want to throw one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. You just need to find a way to bring your reciprocating saw in a stylish fashion. <laughs> <laughs> but what was interesting to me about that whole conversation, I yeah. feel like this episode was a lot of missed opportunities because yes. mm. they didn't make Wes sl- slimy enough, to be honest with you. Okay. okay, so you had this guy who was like, I'm the president now and we're making this new tool set and you're going to sell it on your show or else you're not going to be a host of the show. But meantime, he doesn't go with, I expected some sort of tangent on we're making these cheaper so that we can sell them faster and I can have this mass like master profit and i'm gonna Mm. make way more money than like binford ever did and i'm gonna keep all the like none of that ever happened like the motivations which is funny because we only had this a plot we didn't have a b plot there was plenty of time for growth and development and it was all so superficial maybe i'm asking too much but there was no motivation as to why literally anything was happening yeah, they do that a lot. Where they, it's like, <laughs> it's like we're gonna we're gonna go all in on this one plot, and we're going to use a lot of that runtime to just have extended like sight gags or like the boys doing something cute. Yeah, or Tim distraught, Tim feeling a feel. <laughs> yes, Tim, Tim feeling a feel. I love that. It t- it takes a full twenty two minutes for Tim to have a feel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here and say maybe because this was the early 90s, uh, you know, that kind of yuppie culture was so ingrained in people's minds that maybe there wasn't a whole lot of need for, I mean, audiences might have already been prepped for that kind of culture and that in 2018, uh, I mean, I'm just spitballing here. I don't, I don't know if this is any legitimacy to this at all, but um, 2018 is kind of harder to wrap your head around the reasonings why people would make these sorts of decisions. Uh, I agree. I mean, I think it would have been much stronger had he been a Paul Verhoeven uh, villain, you know, had have he, an antagonist. Slimy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Had he, li- had his villainy lived up to the villainy of his office. Like, <laughs> right? like he doesn't, he's not a bad enough yeah. dude for that office. He's scheming up plans to turn that Nickelodeon slime into like acid slime. <laughs> he's going to kill kids. I mean, I'm turning, I turned Roger rabbit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's turn it into dip. Yeah. Cause he's going to kill a little shoe. <laughs> so anyway, they, they, Outright refused to promote it, and yeah. Wes says, well, you know, Binford Tools, you know, Binford Tools runs this show, and if you don't, if you don't make it, you're fired. If you don't make it. If you don't promote our tool, we're going to fire you, Tim. Yeah, or get someone else to host the show. Yeah. Uh, and Tim says, don't threaten me. He, like, throws his finger in his face yeah. as he's walking out the door and says, don't threaten me. And I actually... I actually like that moment. Uh, I mean, despite Tim's <laughs> uh, reasonings for why, you know, his his little misogynistic rant there, um, seeing Tim, like, stick up for his integrity was something uh, that we don't get a lot of on the show. He He's constantly, like, it's all about his ego a lot of the time. And this is, like, setting his own ego aside to stand for something and that he's going to stand by that. Um, and I really liked it. And, and doing it with such emphatic display yeah i i would say that this is the first like this is we don't get a lot of evidence that tim takes his job super seriously but the fact that he's like no people trust me they trust my name i don't want like morally it's wrong for me to recommend this tool that i don't believe in 
So I, I don't know. I think this, that's good. I think that's Tim the good businessman Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then the scene a- ends with Al. I mean, Tim walks off and Al's left there staring at, at Wes and he's just like, you can cancel my tea, sir. President, <laughs> Mr. President, sir. <laughs> and then walks off. Because it's like they're both in the... Tim and Al are both in the doorway standing next to each other as a yeah. united front. Tim says something like, you know, don't you dare threaten me and walks out. And But Al is just like giving him this harsh stare and doesn't see Tim leave. And then he just stands there for like five <laughs> seconds alone staring at him. Oh, I love Al. Yeah, it's good. Al, again, I think we can all agree. If this Al could get his own spinoff. Easily. I feel like toward the end of the series, they were kind of inching toward that. Yeah. I really felt like they started developing him. He had he had either had a girlfriend or he got married. Like, something happened with the backstory that is Al. And I feel like we were just kind of getting more of him. Yeah. And I don't know if that's personally something I wanted. Maybe you guys can have me back on when you get Please. to the end of the series. Yeah, and we can watch a, We can watch an Al-centric episode together and I'll have a better opinion. But that's kind of how I feel. Like, I'm not sure if this is the story I wanted or if i was happy with him being this like wiener (laughs) or maybe just that it was such a refreshing break from seeing tim uh live in the cycle of hell of just hurting himself every single week that they needed to start weaving in new stories (laughs) yeah yeah fair point uh they tried to milk that tim living in a cycle of hurting himself for a good long time (laughs) maybe maybe that's a new fan theory that we can start exploring (laughs) he's in hell and uh, wilson is uh watching the tribulations to see if he ever learns. He's like in a Groundhog Day scenario. Wow. Sort of. I like that. Grunthog Day. Do <laughs> eh? eh? we got like a drum somewhere? <laughs> I, I'll edit that in later. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of grunts, yep. I'm going to do the grunt count oh, very yeah. quickly. Okay, because we keep forgetting. The grunt count was one. Wow. He does one grunt in this episode. We have been going through a crisis of grunt faith. He used to grunt so much more. This season has been very low on grunting. I don't know what to say about it, especially because season two started with him torching a letter that even suggested the idea of him grunting less. But, uh, yeah. Wait, so here's a question. Yeah. Um, the last, like, four episodes, I want to say, were either one or zero count grunts. Yeah. Uh, or grunt counts. Um, this was also the time when people were starting to learn computer language. Do you think that they are writing some sort of binary code uh, with these ones and zeros that is going to uh, translate into a secret message? Uh Whoa! <laughs> Wait, where are the ones and zeros? Like, one grunt, just... zero grunt, oh. one grunt. Zero so by grunt. the time you get to the last episode, you have to count every grunt and then see if it's sort of some sort of binary slash Morse code yeah. message of insanity. Right, that's pretty good. I like that a lot. I, I think maybe yeah, maybe that is it. God, this is the uh, they're sending us secret messages like Da Vinci Code shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This uh, after this this confrontation, we are back home. The kids are. Uh, this is the end of our our A point one plot. The where thrilling the kids, resolution. Kids have come home from the grocery store, uh, and they have bought all kinds of junk food with the leftover money that they shouldn't have had, but they have it because, well, they they because they they shopped smart and they bought a lot of broken and dented and you know they all the cans with dents in them, yeah. all the bruised fruit that was on discount. W- clever, clever. You know, good way to get around what mom wanted you to do. Also, I will say, dangerous though. Okay, buying a dented can of spaghetti that's cheaper, its a, the can is sealed, you're but okay. But it's not entirely true. Well, really? Once it's dented, there are little microscopic holes that happen at the creases that let in air and can uh, bring in disease and, and mold out your food. Botulism. That's yeah. where the botulism... Okay, okay, I didn't... Well, I'm glad I learned this before I went shopping again. This is good to know. <laughs> also, I mean, dented cans aren't on discount anymore. That right. was such a, like, a 
90s and prior thing where you would, oh, this is, this can is dented. Can I have a discount? Like, if you ask for a, right. a dented can discount today, you'll get the finger. Like, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. They're like, go somewhere else. We don't care. No yeah. one cares. Go buy one that isn't dented. Yeah, no. go take your ass back to the aisle and go pick <laughs> out a new one. But, man, the supermarket's got a lot of attitude in the past 20, 30 years. <laughs> uh, here's what I was wondering about. Jill comes home, you know, they come home, she sees all the junk food. It's like, how, what, you guys bought junk food? Well, I didn't tell you to buy this. How did you, you know, how did you get all this? And so they say, oh, we bought it with the money left over. And Jill says, you shouldn't have had money left over. I gave you just enough money for the things on the list. How does Jill know exactly what every single thing at the supermarket costs? Did she go on the internet and find it out? I don't think so. <laughs> in her defense, when you do the same thing yeah. every week at the market, you start getting a list in your head, and you really do know the approximate amount your groceries are going to cost, yeah, unless you see that. like a really exciting item, like a magical new six-pack of beer. Right. Or oh, like magic <laughs> beer. Yeah, you see a magic beer, and you're like, oh, it's local. I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say the same thing. I, I can expect my grocery bill is either going to be 47 to $52 every time I go. I, I mean, and my, my grocery bill is usually between 35 and 45 dollars every time but i don't know the price by like i don't know the item by item (laughs) price of things i know what rings up at the end of it that brings up interesting questions about jill maybe she's neurotic or maybe she's Mm. obsessive compulsive but then she wouldn't send three boys photograph memory she wouldn't send three boys to the market with however much cash yeah and the fact that there was no joke of don't go to the arcade or don't take it to the roller rink or don't take it <laughs> right. to wherever kids went in the 90s. Don't take it to go see whatever movie. Don't take it to see Home Alone. Like, <laughs> Don't buy Pogs with it. Don't yeah. buy Pogs. Don't buy Troll Dolls. Don't buy... Don't, <laughs> Desert Storm trading cards. Right. Don't buy the Nintendo controller with the rainbow buttons. Like, yeah. the fact that she didn't say anything in relation to what kids really would do with that money boggled me. Like, that whole scene when she, like I said, didn't make any mention of an arcade. Yeah. That shows who was writing the episode. And it was someone <laughs> old and stupid. <laughs> Some, someone yeah. who knew about kids... Sort of peripherally. They know kids exist, but what they do (laughs) when handed cash, they don't know. Don't you dare go buy a new stick and a new wheel to go (laughs) have your fun by the fire hydrants. Uh, Don't don't you dare buy a little red ball to go with your jack set. I will be so upset. (laughs) You stick with the blue it came with and you're grateful for it. And you're grateful. Um, I have a note here that just says flannel time and I don't know exactly why. Flannel time. That's what Tim said to Al when he said about him being the new host. It's not going to be. You can't oh, do it right. without Tim. It's not going to be flannel time, that's Al. Right. I yeah that yeah. So Jill, yeah, Tim comes in after Jill has learned that the boys have fucked up the shopping, and they're talking about the whole situation. How he's going to get fired, you know, if he doesn't do it. And Tim is saying, "Well, I'm not going to budge on this." And Jill is saying, "What? But you could get fired." And he says, "Well, yeah. What are they going to do? Replace me with Al? Turn it into flannel time?" But it's like. Every single person Tim meets who's a fan of the show talks about how much they love Al. Everyone at Binford <laughs> yeah. talks about how much they love Al. The previous producer of the show loved Al. You need to be way more scared of Al replacing you, Tim, because that it, it is knocking on your door that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's right. I mean, John Binford is the one that, that handpicked him for the show. Now that he's gone, I would say Tim Tim has something to be afraid of. He's on shaky ground. Yeah. I want to see that show. I mean, and, and honestly, Jill asked him some reasonable questions. She's yeah. like, does it work? He's like, yeah. She's like, is the tool unsafe? He's like, no. And then they didn't come back to that. And those are two very <laughs> right. reasonable questions. In addition to everybody kind of um, prepping Al to be the host, which is an ongoing thing for the whole show, 
this these concerns that Jill had were never readdressed. And I want to go back to something you guys said yeah. really quick before when you were talking about that kind of awesome, like empowering moment when Tim was like, don't threaten me. And you, you were saying that it showed his ego was being put aside. And I'm like, no, that's an exemplary example of his ego because he thinks he is tool time. And that's doesn't fair. seem yeah, to understand. He doesn't seem to understand that all these forces are flying at him saying, No man, you're replaceable. There's all these little there's <laughs> all these little like purgatory tests. Yeah, that's true. That's just how I feel. And no, 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 I uh, that is absolutely true in that moment. Uh, it's in the past on the show, it's more that he's he's not doing I mean, his ego is there for sure. But he's standing up for something with integrity as opposed to yeah. just himself. And I get that, too. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the refreshing part of it for me. Um, but he does have something. And this this scene, what plays out here with her asking all these questions of him um, and kind of, you know, making a little bit of a point, shows how kind of awesome Jill is in that despite making her point, she sees that it's something that's important to him right. and is saying like, well, if this is that important to you, I, you have my support. I'll stand right. behind you. We'll make you. it work. And yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe uh, some, you know, a more practical solution would be to get his head out of his ass. But uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's really cool that she's there to support him despite or whatever his decision might be. I, I think that the better version of this episode would be one where Tim and Jill have a real fight about it where it's like, look, I'm, I can bear Like I'm working my fingers to the bone, trying to take care of the kids and work a job. Now you're talking about ditching your entire job <laughs> right. over, over this, you know, and then what you're going to be on the road all the time, being a traveling tool salesman again, if you lose the show or like, even if you can get like, there's, I think real family concerns sure, here. And this yeah. could be a real thing about like, do you want to stake your family on your credibility? And I think, right. It wasn't mentioned. Yeah. 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 It wasn't mentioned at all. And I think that Tim's conundrum is like, I think this is one of the more genuine things he's had to struggle with because yeah, if your whole persona is based on recommending good shit to your, to your fans, you want to be truthful to them. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that the gravity and the stakes of it didn't come through as strongly as they could have. Mm. I agree. That's fair. Well, so we go into the emotional consequences of this in the next yeah. scene where he's uh, in the garage. Tim, uh, Mark comes down with his uh, toy jet um, that Tim had supposedly fixed before uh, had, by gluing the landing gear. Um, and by gluing his thumb to the workbench then afterwards <laughs> for three hours. Yeah. Uh, and Tim starts to talk about what it was like being on the road and, and not being able to see your kids but three months out of the year and mm -hmm. having to watch them grow up over the phone. Um, and so he starts to like – it starts to sink in a little bit of like what's important here. Yeah. Should I – you know, I don't really want to go back to – to being a tool salesman, I want to keep my job, so maybe it is worth setting all this stuff aside. I think that on some sort of weird level, all of Jill's practical questions are sinking in. Uh, it's not addressed so explicitly, but I do think that they're marinating a little bit. Um, Everything that t that is said to Tim sinks in very slowly. I think Jill's advice <laughs> absorbs at the same speed that Wilson's yeah. does. <laughs> Wilson's advice from episode one of season one is just now... Starting to come through on Tim. <laughs> There's that Simpsons episode where somebody calls Homer slow, and then you get this close-up on Homer's skull, and he's like, wait, something was said, something was said, what did they say? What? I think I'm slow, and then it pulls back out, and it's like six hours later. <laughs> it's kind of like Tim. I love it. Um, Super deep Simpsons cuts. Mm -hmm. And then uh, from this talk with Mark, Tim is, you know, in prime, prime mode for, and as you said on the couch... Uh, 
you could tell we're going into a Wilson scene. Yes, yes. I could feel the color by numbers, dots connecting. <laughs> yeah. And as we transitioned away from the the, the the fatherly scene with Mark, where he's talking to him and once, you know, it's all sinking in, I was like, we're due for a Wilson scene. And yeah. there it was. Sure enough, like a uh, divine presence. My, my old war injury started aching and I could tell a Wilson scene was, was, was coming in over the prairie. <laughs> it was just time. Yeah. It just yeah. felt... Like, it, there's a crest in that show, and like I said, certain things are hit, and it was just time yeah. for a Wilson scene. It was. And, and this week, Wilson is working with compost, which means that he has a mask on over his face, so we get to see some full frontal Wilson that still <laughs> covers his face. <laughs> yep. Uh, and as per usual in these Wilson scenes, I took zero notes. <laughs> uh, so he's out there, he's raking up his, his compost. Tim... There's there's a, a number of double entendres about smell and and <laughs> right. Tim is trying to talk to him about his situation with you know this this conundrum he's in and is explaining it to Wilson. Wilson says, "Oh, that's quite a pickle. Yeah, it's a real predicament, Wilson. I'm at the big deal between the coffee grounds and the and the eggshells. Eggshells. Thank you. But bump but bump. But then but then Tim goes, "Could we, Wilson?" And it's like, okay, again, Tim, you're not paying this guy. He's <laughs> yeah, out right. there trying to do business. Well, work, and you're just sitting there yammering at him, like, let it happen on his terms, why don't you, Tim? <laughs> That's the thing, Tim is the star everywhere, yeah. and, like, let's forget for a moment this is a TV show, and clearly Tim is the star. I mean, in the Tim world of existence, yeah. this dude is centralized, and Wilson exists for his needs and pleasures. Yeah, <laughs> basically. It's true. Both men and women exist to serve and please him. Um... <laughs> So Wilson talks to him and basically tells him about the concept of what a pyrrhic pyrrhic victory is. I don't quite know how to pronounce it because there's a P and an H and a Y and a couple of R's in a weird place in that. As but Tim it, says later, a pyrex. A pyrex victory. <laughs> pyrex victory. It's, he tells him about, it was this Roman general who, who fought this big battle and won it, but at such a huge cost that he wound up losing the entire war. And so he explains that for Tim, taking a stand on this could be mm. something where he wins morally, but then loses everything. Yeah. Right, all the soldiers die. Yeah. And so, when it's a question of morals, a decision isn't always easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that in the grand pantheon of Wilson scenes, this falls into the category of Wilson explaining to Tim what the situation is. Yeah. Which is a thing that happens from time to time. <laughs> they can't all be really good, good advice. That's true. Uh, do you have any feelings about Wilson and his his place in the show? Wilson and his place on the show. Like, were you struck with any like? Because he, I don't know. This I isn't just, a trick question. Yeah, no. like, I was going to say, did I say Wilson something? Thoughts. I forgot. Wilson thoughts. I mean, he's the he's the omniscient narrator that kind of recaps the moral lesson for Tim consistently. Mm. It reminds me. There's this old anime called uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena. And so you have it's this old surrealist anime about uh, teenagers at a boarding school who sword fight. I won't get into it any, any more than <laughs> sounds that. Sounds like an anime. It, yeah. it sounds like, yeah. It's cool as hell, but I won't get into it any more than that. But in the episode, in the midst of all this surrealism, there's always a break where these two silhouettes of shadow girls come and kind of use language that's supposed to explain what's happened up to this point, but also trick you into thinking there's something deeper. And that's kind of the role that Wilson takes. He's the oh. shadow girl. He comes in, he explains the moral lesson to Tim in the form of a faceless man. Right. Omniscient. Oh. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. 
Or there's something kind of old cartoony about it. You could take it both ways. You know, he's the faceless adult in old Warner Brothers cartoons, Tom and Jerry cartoons. (laughs) Charlie Brown cartoons. All the authority. Muppet babies. babies, All the authority. Except um, we only see the top of him and not the legs. (laughs) Inspector Gadget. All these these authority figures. His claw. (laughs) A fan theory. (laughs) And all these, um, yeah, and all these things where the adult, the smart one, the authority is is faceless. So you can Mm -hmm. take it in that in a lot of different ways there's something it's either a physical gag it's supposed to be funny or it's something that's supposed to be philosophical but whatever right. the reason is the person of wisdom has no face interesting that's really good i'm really glad we asked that that's oh, uh well I, I also i like just the idea of wilson as the shadow girl of the show like just <laughs> because we had this idea that he was god for a while until we met his mom in one episode and it's like well that doesn't really work anymore but him is this sh- i don't know i i like that idea that he's just sort of the faceless commentary, the unseen, like, like the narrator on Arrested Development in a way, almost. You don't really see his face until Ron Howard inexplicably becomes a part of the show more recently. But like, <laughs> but it's that same idea of that, yeah. that faceless recap. I think that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Shadow people. <laughs> uh, so we go to Tool Time behind the scenes. Uh, this is where we get that weird transition. Oh, so we end the, the Wilson scene with Tim. He's been drinking from a... a uh, Binford mug. Yeah. I also forgot to mention that there were Binford binders uh, in the office. <laughs> or binders. <laughs> Ooh. Um, so Tim Tim ends this Wilson scene by sipping from his Binford mug, and he's kind of like looking, pondering to the stars, you know, looking upwards, and we get a weird, what would normally just be a match cut from one scene to the next. Yeah. Uh, we get a transition of uh, kind of morphs from Tim in that position to Tim in the same position behind the scenes of Tool Time. It's like Tim freeze frames and everything around him turns like blue and like cartoon fill. It's like they put an Instagram filter on it and a weird <laughs> one. And then it stays still and then it like the the Tim standing in the backyard fades to Tim in a suit backstage in Tool Time holding a coffee cup in the exact same position. Yes. So you can you can picture like this is a transition they had to plan for ahead of time, like on set when they were shooting. It's like okay, Tim, stand completely still like that. Get a picture of him. Yeah, this is the first example we've had that there's been any kind of like uh, effect of the transitions on the construction of an episode. Short of maybe the one where he's throwing the ball against Wilson's house. Oh, yeah, that's but, true. I yeah. think it's supposed to represent just how tortured he is by what am I going to do? Because he was staring up all forlorn about it, and then he's still. Has he still has all this agony and all these feels inside of him, staring right. up at the set at work, <laughs> gonna get gonna get paid, and he yeah. just can't stop thinking about it. How do I reach these tools? <laughs> <laughs> um, just to speak on the set for a second, I thought it was very interesting. This is the first time we see the back of that window um, that's on the tool time set. We've really just been kind of uh, sequestered off to the side uh, in the dressing room area. Yeah, uh, but this is like we get to see the actual back of uh, the tool time set, which is jarring, I guess. It's like being backstage at Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so they're talking... um, Yeah, why don't you... What what happens at the beginning of the scene here? Al comes over. Yeah, Al comes over and is asking Tim, like, oh, Tim, what are we going to do? What are you going to say? Just, you know, kind of setting it up again. And Tim Tim basically says that he wants to avoid winding up in a Pyrex victory. And... (laughs) So they go out, you know, they the show starts, uh, Wes is there standing next to Heidi in the position where the old... Where, where Jerry used to stand. Yeah, yeah, the the old mysterious producer who definitely wasn't doing his job. <laughs> so uh, they come out, Tim introduces himself, Tim the Toolman Taylor, and this is my assistant, Al Borland. This is the second time he has not insulted Al. It's funny when 
it's a matter of integrity for Tim. He tends to do away with the humor on the show, which leads me to believe that he just has no thought for integrity for dual time generally. It's only when his own ego is uh, threatened that he, he starts to take things seriously. Yeah, like he, he you know, my co-host has repeatedly expressed to me that my comments to him are hurtful, but I'm not going to stop doing it unless I have a compelling reason. That's but, what know. I was saying earlier. Yeah, it yeah. supports that, like, he is the center, like, he's the nexus of everything <laughs> that matters to himself. And yeah. I don't just mean that in, like, oh, people are selfish, Tim is selfish. Like, okay. No, literally, he can't fathom the idea that anything exists outside of him right. is that a sociopath or is that a narcissist what is this oh i think it's more narcissist yeah i think it's, it's more, more narcissist yeah. egotism because he has yeah. a lot of love for other like he does love his kids yeah, he does he's got love his passion life. yeah it's not a yeah. sociopath and he yeah. and he does act charitably to al at crucial moments but yeah definitely a narcissist like clinical yeah oh, oh yeah dangerous yeah. right yeah it needs therapy kind of yeah. thing yeah and there's only room for one sociopathic psychopath uh in the taylor household and that goes to randy yes by far <laughs> not not exemplified in this episode but uh he's definitely Shown a penchant for animal cruelty and threatening his brother. Oh, you're right. I remember manipulation, all that. And, lighting uh, things on fire. <laughs> all yeah, kinds of yeah. He gets all stuff. the he gets all the nasty things. Yeah, serial killer warning signs. <laughs> um, so he comes out and they start talking about the Binford sixty one hundred. It's like, yeah. oh, we got a new tool to recommend uh, from Binford. He, you know, pulls the pulls the curtain off of it or pulls the the drapery off of it, and everyone goes ooh, and it's just a blue toolbox. <laughs> I don't know what. But so they open. Yeah, but the- I've been a fanboy of things where I've I've kind of ooh and odd uh, over like you know a, a, a preview for a teaser for a full trailer for a movie. Uh, I'll do the fair. same thing. Yeah, <laughs> and plus, what what are unboxing videos if not literally what they're doing right now? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I was gonna say this whole Tool Time like show today would just be condensed into a YouTube video oh, where yeah. he's sponsored by like someone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, this is Tim Toolman Taylor sixty nine. Be sure to like and subscribe to my channel. It takes me a long time to make these. Uh, hey guys, <laughs> actually, what they Gucci. do on Last Man Standing, he has a video blog that he uses uh, instead of Tool Time. That's so modern. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's even more modern because it's coming back. I realized this today in the shower. Uh, Fox canceled Last Man on Earth, and they're bringing back Last Man Standing. It's not really that interesting, but... <laughs> Tell me more about the shower. Uh, well, uh, very, very cramped and uh, hasn't been cleaned in a while. Definitely Ooh. my fault. Um, well, maybe I don't want to hear more about the shower. <laughs> hey, no, you asked. We're going all the way into it. We got one corner... We're going down the drain, That's man. very difficult for me to get into with a brush, so that one has the most kind of like mold going there, but I'm mm. going to hit it with some bleach. Maybe not today, maybe tomorrow. Uh, anyway, uh, okay, rest of the bathroom. Oh, I forgot. There's a door that... It's not a curtain. It's an actual shower door. That joke was great. I think everyone's really laughing at home. <laughs> um, but they they proceed to unveil uh, this um, the the reciprocating saw, the sixty one hundred, um, and I they the way that they handle this was kind of a surprise to me, and I, I actually applaud it in a way where Tim starts saying, you know, there's this, there's this moment where he uh, um, introduces the the tool, and then there's this pause, and he's like. It's not great, and it, we we put it through our tests, and it wasn't up to the Binford standard. Yeah. Um. And the person in charge of this is Wes, and yeah. he brings Wes out onto the stage, and instead of admonishing him on air, he holds him to the Binford level of uh, integrity. Yeah. So he, I think that they're 
there was an opportunity and maybe in Tim's past he would have taken this the lower road of bringing uh, Wes on air, Mr. Davidson on air, and holding him accountable in a way that makes him feel shitty for, like, you are responsible for this awful, yeah. awful product. But instead, he kind of holds up everybody's integrity by saying, now, you, what happened when you guys were going through the, the process here? And putting it on his shoulders to take responsibility for the, the lack of quality. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he's he's kind of calling out specific things and saying, so, you know, when this happened, you know, yeah, like, tell, tell us about some of the things, some of the reasons that you that you feel like this isn't up to par. Like, the, the whole time he's saying, like, you know, Wes is such a such an honest man. This is the guy who wants selling you tools. He's decided yeah. that this is not a... Yeah, he... This is, I think, the, one of the smartest moments that Tim has ever had. Because usually... Yeah. In an episode like this, it's like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, 22 minutes. And then in the end, it's like, oh, some weird half-assed solution that inexplicably works <laughs> right. totally well. This is Tim really being clever and both complimenting and building up this guy who he hates. To the public. To but the, yeah. getting his jab in, you know. He backs him against a wall. Yeah. He does say nice things about, like, this man has integrity and therefore won't sell this product, but therefore backs him against the wall and be like, no, you are not selling this product. Right, yeah. right. Which, yeah, that, that tension's gonna occur between Tim and Wes privately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that he doesn't out him on air, I thought was, you know, kind of... That, that took a lot of restraint for Tim. <laughs> for Tim. We grade, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're t- t- he's, talking relatively. We're grading him on such a curve. <laughs> oh my god, dude. <laughs> Um, and anyway, so, so Wes goes through this thing and he's like, okay, well, the casing, you know, may have been better if it was metal, the mm-hmm. nuts and bolts, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, of course they can't end tool time without a more power, you know, you can't have an episode of Mythbusters where they don't blow something up at the end. Yeah. Just like you can't have an episode of tool time where there isn't some example of more power. Yeah. So... You know, having they they finally get West to say like, in the interest of the consumer, I've decided to hold off production on the Binford sixty one hundred. Yeah. So then they bring out the Binford Tool Masher, <laughs> which is a gigantic wood chipper type thing that Binford supposedly <laughs> manufactured specifically to destroy other Binford tools that don't meet muster. <laughs> like how in ancient Sparta they would throw babies that didn't didn't you know fit the bill off of a cliff. <laughs> they do the same with tools at Binford apparently. Nice. Um, and so they feed this thing into it, and it comes out as a tight blue cube. Yeah, with a little rat tail. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, 90s enough that everyone has to have a mullet. Yeah. But they have to give their crushed tools uh, a little rat tail as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's fashion forward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have anything else for that scene? No. The, the Well, I have something about the transition that takes us out of that oh, scene. Oh, take, take us through the transition. So the transition that takes us out of there is two kind of platforms come down from the top and bottom of the screen. And as they come further down, you see that they're supported by thin metal rods. Kind of like a car crusher. Yeah, they, like, it crushes the image and it smashes it. Now, these, these two uh, metal transition things that crush the image look exactly like the crushers in Galaxy Quest. I don't know if you guys are big Galaxy Quest heads like I am. No. Okay. I like it. I haven't seen it in years. Okay, A... Just just for the record, Galaxy Quest is a damn near perfect movie. It's delightful. Please (laughs) rediscover it. There is a scene in it, you know, it's like the Star Trek takeoff where these aliens have built a spaceship 
based on this Star Trek knockoff show yeah. that they watched and put the actors in it. They have to run through a section of the ship that has the crushers in it that was just taken from one episode where for no reason in the bowels of the spaceship there are all these big metal crushers that come down and will smash you if you don't time it right. <laughs> Wasn't that also a Tim Allen movie? Yes. Uh-huh. That's my point. The crushers. The it's sp- another tropey <laughs> shtick that he brings along with him. Yeah. Yep, yep. Just a big old, big old tropey shtick. But, um, <laughs> so anyway, that made me think of that. We've discussed it. It's out there in the world. Let's, let's bring this one home. We go to the stinger where Jill is watching the episode of Tool Time, uh, that, you know, we had just witnessed, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Tim is starting a fire, which I thought was a, a interesting way to indicate the seasons. Uh, oh, as we're, yeah. we're heading into That's the right, snow Heidi film. in her coat and mm-hmm. Tim in his fireplace. Okay, yeah. yes. Because in the next another week or two, I would expect that they're going to start putting the snow on the ground. Well, also shows shows um, begin in the fall typically. Mm-hmm. So if we're on episode, it was, was eight of the third season, uh, eight or nine, eight yeah. or nine of the third season. That means we're transitioning to like yeah October. Yeah. Okay, it's all working on a timeline. I think in, in two episodes will be our Christmas episode. So mm. yeah, man, Halloween and Christmas come so close together on this show, and never a Thanksgiving. And imagine all I, just in terms of sitcoms in general, all of the missed opportunities of the summertime storylines you could have had. Yeah, man. Well, if they take place in California, you don't know. Oh, well, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. It's, see, to me, the whole idea of having a winter is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, I guess in Saved by the Bell, they were constantly like going to the the beach and uh, <laughs> yeah, there was always summer garage. vacation. Yeah, right. yeah, there was always summer themes. Didn't they? Was it a TV movie? Are you a Saved by the Bell fan? How'd you know? Oh, <laughs> was it a TV movie or was it just like a, a, a season that they had spent in that like uh, at the beach house? Liam Remini was there, and that uh, was supposed to be during their summer vacation. And I believe there was probably like four four episodes or so okay. dedicated to maybe one or two or three seasons. So it was re- gotcha. it was repeating like semi repeating plot lines, but it was probably like three episodes and just okay. feels really long. So when it you're wasn't a kid. like a TV movie. No, it was okay. a couple episodes in like one or two seasons. Gotcha. With the beach, the beach. Counselor premise. <laughs> beach counselor. Got to take those those wayward beaches and help them get on the right well, no, track. No, nobody wants camp camp counselors, so let's be beach counselors. Yeah. I mean, better opportunities. <laughs> What's Baywatch if not uh, beach counselors? What? No, but <laughs> they're lifeguards. Yeah, lifeguards are beach counselors. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so Tim's starting the fire, and Jill. Tim started as, the fire. As you, Harry Jill's Truman, drunk. Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, Tim started the fire. <laughs> Tim started the fire. Yeah, no, Jill's, Jill has is very clearly on like her fourth glass of Chardonnay. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing better on a cold, wintry night than white wine, I guess. <laughs> uh, and she makes her way over to these. Uh... Oh, she saunters her way off that sofa. <laughs> she glides with her glasses of wine. Third for her, one yeah. for Tim, and she just like she's all liquid and ooze, and she just <laughs> sits down in front of him, and she's like, "Hey, babe," because she, she finally sees Tim. Uh, Tim is starting to evolve out of apehood, yeah, and uh, climbing out of that primordial soup. Finally, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, standing up for something. I, I, you know, you were saying that the the fire was like, oh yeah, they're symbolizing that it's fall, and I'm like, no, the fire symbolizes they're gonna bone down. <laughs> Like that's what this means. You don't think oh, it was, you don't, don't think fireplace? You don't think it was it was uh three cups of wine deep Jill talking about how she was gonna fuck a pool boy? I that mean, was the indication to me that sex is happening. It, that, but we saw the fire before that. Jill talking about boning a pool boy is like, okay, yeah, this is this is this is like 
additional information that leads She me- needs to get herself, like, into it somehow, man, because all yeah. she has in front of her is Tim, Tim. <laughs> so if she just has some wine and talks about a pool boy, she'll be ready to, she'll be ready to test out that tool. It's mental preparation, mental foreplay. Oh, yeah. you, I mean, you'd need it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we see we see him shirtless in a few of those episodes. It's not it's not great. Ugh, I want my money back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they're talking about um, the the choice that Tim made, and that she's glad that he's not going back on the road, and that he's glad he's not going back on the road. And uh, there's this whole uh, thing about the pool boy, and uh, then they they clink their glasses, and presumably. Fuck throughout the night. Well, I mean, the camera zooms in super close on the fire. We get the really cheesy music. Yeah, and the cheesy music playing. And I mean, they're just... And also, every Home Improvement episode ends with them having sex. I don't know why <laughs> they would do anything else. Uh, uh, that takes us to our outtakes, which was uh, kind of a funny... The first one was kind of funny of um, Jill watching the the Tool Time episode and it just like blasting in her face. Uh, yeah. Being too loud. And then Tim... Mugging for the camera. Um, yeah. AKA five, six years? Yeah, I know. I mean, I think there's there are more gray <laughs> hairs now. Like, just a long shot of Tim, like, the camera's up over him to get a shot of whatever tools he's working on. It's just him looking up into it, playing with, like, trying to pull spinach out of his teeth or yeah. something. I'm sure... I'm sure everyone, the live audience was on set. They were watching the monitors. Tim was clowning while they were, like, doing the lights or something. Right. I bet everybody really liked audience it. Audience is going crazy because they probably had a guy out, or the applause sign is yeah. probably going, cueing them. And I'm a garbage person over here being like, oh, that's a porno shot. You know, from, like, point of view, <laughs> looking down. Just Tim's straight just, down, Tim's yeah. just, like, looking at the camera, like, mouth, and I, yeah, just disgusting. <laughs> so, you're, you guys, so you guys are like, oh, he's clowning around, picking spinach out of his teeth. I'm like, oh, that's a porn shot. <laughs> this is this is what's great about this, and this is what's great about you, Lauren, is that the two, the two gross dudes didn't even make the porn connection at all. We had to bring a woman in to really get in touch with that. Thank you. No problem. That's what I'm here for. Man. <laughs> Man. Um well next time we'll get you started on Harold Ramis and then we'll then we'll really go. Oh my Ghostbusters secret. Okay. I'm yeah. gonna save that for another time. Ra- well Brad will look at you and steal it from you and then yes. you can. And that's share when my it. secret yeah. yes, yes. I agree. That's when that secret can come out. Um so that's our episode. Let's let's just do a very quick go around of how we felt about the episode uh, as a whole. Yeah. Let's start with you. As a whole, I felt like it was very entertaining. I had mm-hmm. a good time watching it. The whole I, the whole premise of, again, I keep going back to it, but there was no B-plot. Right. The fact that it was literally 22 minutes of Tim's conundrum was kind of a hard pill to swallow, especially since the, those 22 minutes weren't utilized to go deeper with anything. Yeah. And it was just like, literally, here's the tool. Tim doesn't like it. What am I going to do? And that stretched. But I still had fun. Yeah. yeah. When, when was the last time you watched Home Improvement? Oh my gosh. Um, it, it's definitely been... I don't think I've watched any reruns since its original airing. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's been a minute. It, the show really has kind of been lost to time. It was mm-hmm. hard to get for a while, at least before we started. <laughs> That's why we have the DVDs yeah, before it was even yeah. on Hulu. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's easy to kind of lose track of. It really was yeah. lost to history. Um, and so reapproaching it after 20 years... Um, do you have different thoughts than when you first watched it or like what what was it like approaching it in 2018 honestly it was exactly the same other than <clears throat> other than you know watching a little bit as an adult and kind yeah. of seeing the relationships in a different light I remember everything. I remember mm. all the characters. I remember the characters' names, all the way that all the sets looked, the way everyone spoke. There was nothing that wasn't 100% imprinted in my brain. It yeah. was totally the same flavor as it was. It was like going back and eating a meal that I'd 
ate as a kid, and I just, <laughs> it's just stuck in there. I totally know nice. it. There's, yeah, nothing new. Most of the meals I ate as a kid are probably still stuck in me. Uh, yeah, a lot of McNuggets. Like garbage. <laughs> trap, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Garbage. And stuff We're the garbage me. generation, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Jim, yeah. how did you feel about this episode? Uh, you know, I felt... I felt good about it purely from the standpoint, like, Tim did a few things in here that I found respectable in a sea of other things about Tim that I just, bad things I've just learned to ignore. So, (laughs) Tim impressed me a couple times. Al, Al, always, Al is always gonna bump an episode up a full letter grade for me. Just, like, him standing there staring the guy down for a while longer. (laughs) And that 90s office... You know, so I'm not going to, like, this is not a great episode. This is not one I'd recommend that you watch Mm -hmm. if you're only going to watch one. But I think it was, you know, uh, acknowledging all of the faults of it, I still think that it was, it was not as formulaic as other ones like this that I've seen in the past. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I guess I I guess I would give it probably a B-. minus. Okay, interesting. Um, I, yeah, the, uh... This season it feels incredibly inconsistent to me, mm-hmm. uh, and there's not a lot of meat on the bones of this season, I feel like. Mm-hmm. This episode uh, attempts to do something that the other episodes haven't, and I think on some level it succeeds, but it's, it is a pretty scant meal. There's not a lot to it. Um, there's there's no fennel. There's no garlic powder. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of just the potato without any of the the spices. Yeah, it's like getting an original potato chip. Uh, <laughs> who eats Pringles originals? You want to get the like uh, the salt and vinegar, or the or kimchi the... flavored, whatever. Oh my yeah. god, do they have kimchi? Well, but it's, it's not it's not Pringles actually, but it's yeah. But you want pizza licious or something. <laughs> Right. Everything was pizza and taco flavor in the nineties. Oh yeah. yeah, pizza combos. Mm. Oh yeah, I remember yeah, those. those. Yes, that was my jam. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So overall, like, I, I still think it's it, those first two episodes were really rough for me. Yeah. Uh, this season, so it, it lives above those, but it, it's I, I'd be surprised if it ends up being my favorite of the season. So oh far. yeah, yeah. Hard, hardly, hardly. Um, well, that's our episode uh, of that. We are gonna go into user questions. Uh, oh, we have had yes. a user submitted questions and you guys can uh, send us your questions if you have any uh, by hitting us up on Twitter um, at gruntworkpod or send us an email which is uh, info at gruntworkpodcast.com um, this question is submitted by uh, our buddies Eric and James over at Fan Theory World who I believe is how uh, we were informed of your existence yes yes um, I started doing these fun little Twitter hashtags called Instant Fan Theory. Yeah. And I was just just saying stupid things like this cartoon character is doing this thing and they're related and intertwined like this because blah, blah, blah. However much I could say in what was at the time 140 characters. Uh Yeah. Because now it's like 280. Back in the day. And then I would tag it um, instant instant fan theory and then those guys started to follow me yeah. and then either then there was that I still remember it, it was the Wilson fan theory about him <laughs> being like God or Santa or yeah. something and I was just blown away and that's how actually how I met you guys yeah yes. yeah oh, all, all through the the glory of Twitter a true Pottern family <laughs> <laughs> um, so this question comes from them and uh, I I they they submitted two, and I chose this one specifically uh, for your episode. Ooh, very um, nice. Curated. Using the characters of Home Improvement. Oh, no. How would you recast the Avengers team? Mm. Uh, I'm already going to say... I mean, I'm just... just To go with the original prompt, Jill is Black Widow. Uh, just because they're, they're both females? I'm, yeah, because they're <laughs> both, like... I like them both a lot. I don't, I don't know. Right. Uh... uh, uh 
uh, I think that Al would certainly be the Incredible Hulk. Uh, <laughs> really? I, th- I think that Wilson is Doctor Strange. Okay, yeah, that one I can I can get on board with. I think Tim is Thanos. Because <laughs> <laughs> he would... He would kill half the people in the universe. Like, like that, what is more power if not the Infinity Gauntlet? Oh, there you go. That is that's what's keeping him alive. Power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how I feel about Jill as Black Widow. I feel like there's. I feel like Jill might be Captain America. Oh, actually, Jill would be Captain America. She's she's always standing up for what's right. She's she's pragmatic, but she doesn't. She's not without a sense of humor. She, yeah, I don't know. And I, I feel like Al would be... I feel like Tim might be the Hulk. Because he can't control his emotions very well. Uh, he only seems to have one emotion. Um, the Hulk is anger. Tim's is whatever the episode. Mm-hmm. And I would say that Al is more like um, Tony Stark. He's he's the craftsman. He's the one that kind of holds it all together. I think Tim, if if any of them is Tony Stark, I think Tim is more of a Tony Stark because he's an ego. asshole. Yeah, yeah okay, like Al is too, too, way too nice of a boy to be to be. What Tony about the Stark? boys? What about maybe Randy is Tony Stark? Oh, I could mm. see that. I could actually. see that he's, he's sly and charismatic. Uh-huh. Things kind of work out for him. He's he likes cool. being in front of the camera. Yeah, uh, okay. Because I was gonna say like Al, Tim, they don't have that that instant draw of yeah. Tony Stark. No way. Maybe you're right. Maybe Al Al would be the Hulk because he's always as Banner. He's just kind of like benign, but then the second that you push him over the edge, he's he, he goes sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think Brad is um, Thor's hammer. No, no. Brad <laughs> Brad I think is Rocket, and I think Mark is Groot because he can barely speak anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, Technically not Avengers, but um, I'm not going to throw out technicalities. They were in a movie with Avengers in the title of it. They count (laughs) as Avengers. Okay, yeah, they're Space Uh, Avengers. I think they're Space Avengers. Yes, thank you. That's great. (laughs) Otherwise known as Guardians. Okay. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Do you you have, you know more about this shit, vastly more than I do. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, Wilson, I I do think would be a good Doctor Strange. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that I think that covers everyone. What about Heidi or or uh, Lisa? Where do they fall in? Maybe Heidi's Black Widow. Then I don't know. I I don't know. Or maybe Mantis. Which one is Mantis? Know. Mantis is uh, the new Guardian. Oh, the one with the with the weird the empathy. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe. Yeah, maybe her. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I there you nothing. go. That's they're, our... they're, they're hard to fit. That's, <laughs> that's hard to fit. I, I want to give due deference to Black Widow. I just don't know where she'd fit in there. Uh, maybe we've yet to meet the person that's to fill the Black Widow. True. Maybe that's the one that Al hooks up with. Ooh, Ooh yeah. yeah. That's okay. Go. Here we go. I think, um, I think that Lisa is probably... I, I think Lisa would be the Incredible Hulk as played by Edward Norton in that she's not a part of the franchise anymore. <laughs> she's been recast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully that did that uh, question justice. Uh, again, if you want to send us a user question, uh, you can hit us up on uh, Twitter, which is uh, what's our <laughs> at, it's, it's at GruntworkPod. GruntworkPod. I should know that. And and thank you, Fan Theory guys, yeah. for uh, serving us up a d- delightful little question there. Absolutely. And we have another one from them in the future. Um, you can follow them uh, uh, on Twitter at Fan Theory World and their website uh, fantheoryworld.com. Um, we, we've pimped them many, many times on the show, so yeah. I'm sure you you know where to find them. Pimp my pod. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, Lauren, uh, before we go into the outro here, tell us uh, where people can find you and um, just re- refresh your, your projects. Cool, thank you. Uh, yeah, so you can find me uh, on social media, Lauren Stone. I'm on... Um, this is the Y. L-O-R-Y-N-S-T-O-N-E. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I am now accepting random friend requests. Whoa. On Facebook, I made a decision. Whoa. Uh, my book is coming out. My Starlight is coming out on August 3rd. You can find my writing on Cracked, on Pop Lurker, and more recently on uh, Nerdbot. And I am going to be hosting a panel at the third annual NerdBotCon Damn, in, in Pasadena, California on Saturday, September 22nd. So if you're listening and you're in the Southern California area, I definitely encourage that you come to NerdBotCon. It's going to be awesome. It's a fantastic event that we're throwing. And again, I'm going to have a panel and you can see me talking with some phenomenal people and I'll give more information on the panel and what it's about and the awesome guests going to be attending the convention as more information. It comes out. Nice. And uh, did you mention, and I just wasn't listening, where it's going to be held? Yes, the Pasadena Convention Pasadena Center. Pasadena Convention Center. Shame on you, Landon, for not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I was just dreaming about the moment that I get to have the book in my hands. That will be nice. That will yeah. be nice. Save. I'm, 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 in my head, I'm already writing the fan yeah. fiction about the book. <laughs> there you go. So that's uh, two weeks away. That you're, Well, two weeks away from the recording, I think... Uh, um, I don't know when this episode will. And, and this episode might actually come out the week of your book. So, and <laughs> also people might be. Li- we don't know when people might be listening to this. Listen, That's if right. it's like 2023 right now, I don't even know what kind of world you're living in. But you should check out <laughs> this book that Lauren wrote, <laughs> and all of her other many books that have come out since then. Yes, oh, I absolutely. Hope so. yeah. yeah, all right. Let's find a minute to write another book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, the show. thanks for coming uh, all the way thank out. You. I had a great time. Our sweltering apartment. No, this <laughs> is fine. This is fine. Uh, yeah. We hope that you'll come back sometime. Uh, invite me I absolutely will we'll do it um, and with that we'll go into our little outro here which is to remind you guys that the podcast awards are going on right now you can nominate us uh, for a podcast award by going to podcastawards.com uh, and selecting us from the TV and film or people's choice categories select save nominations and it's really only about a minute long process yeah uh, and it would really help to get us uh, in the eyes of many other new listeners yeah, do your, do your civic duty. Get out there and nominate, and uh, and yeah, it takes a minute. I'm just kind of repeating everything Landon said, just taking up more time. <laughs> but you should, you really should do it. It would be a huge help to us if you want to support what we do. That is such a great way to do it, and deeply appreciated. Um, you can also find all sorts of information. The show notes uh, will post links to all of uh, Lauren's projects uh, and places you can get her book on our website, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. <laughs> And I'm going to edit out the space in there where I completely forgot you were asking me. <laughs> uh, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter there, which is a great way to be notified of new episodes. Uh, and if you enjoyed the show and uh, our guests and want to give incentive for other guests to come on our show, uh, you can do so by leaving us a rating uh, or review on iTunes. And uh, if you need more incentive, remember that every time you rate and review us, we'll give you a call on your clear telephone and just talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. You know, I actually had, uh, it wasn't the size of that telephone, but I did have a, a glow-in-the-dark, like, electronic uh, see-through telephone growing up. And would you ever just, like, look at it when it was ringing and be like, oh, wow, a, man, yes, yeah. that's, that's that's how it happens, there, that's technology. There were, like, uh, I, don't, I was going to say motherboard, but just, like, a circuit board, I guess, would yeah. be uh, on the inside of the phone that you could see all the way through. It was very, very, 
Very cool. And, you, and you'd look at and you'd look at that in the early nineties and be like, "Wow, we really live in the future, man." <laughs> kind of, yeah. What, one day, one day they'll have like video phones. You can do video calls, and people will totally <laughs> use them all the time because that's a feature people actually want. Oh my god! Um, with that, you can follow us on all the social media places at Grunt Work Pod. Uh, for <laughs> Lauren Stone, uh, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, if the podcast you're listening to is under an hour long, it's definitely not grunt work.